Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church, all about the messages we hear each and every week. I'm your host, Nathan Story, and joining me this week are Pastor Aaron Gibson and Cesar Guerrero. Hey, guys. Hello. Welcome back. We're here again. Yeah, excited. Mm-hmm. Another podcast. That's right. So uh, we are in a series with our churches called The Whole Story, where we go through the Bible in a year. It's been a wonderful experience so far, some really interesting conversations. And this one, I'm sure, will be no different. We're, we're diving into atonement. We're diving into Leviticus mm-hmm. and a lot of interesting things that you might not know about. We hope you don't know about it. We hope you're kind of discovering new things as you listen to the show, right? That you, mm-hmm. As you, you dive deeper into the, the messages that you find some really interesting things uh, that help you. So we're going to talk about the forming of that message and what that means for us now. Right? I love it. Leviticus, it sounds like a gladiator movie starring Russell Crowe or something, right? Just, <laughs> I am Leviticus. I am Leviticus. <laughs> <laughs> you, it seemed like, okay, here's, here's a, let's start on the wrong foot. And that would be a rabbit's foot as we go down its trail. Um, in like the early aughts and late nineties, there were a lot of these like three, four hour historical epic movies. Yeah, yeah. Those Troy. movies aren't really made anymore. Like I Troy, yeah. Gladiator, The Patriot, uh-huh. pretty much anything Roland Emmerich made. Uh-huh. I'm just now realizing that yeah. that Leviticus wouldn't be made today. That yeah. not when, made. when did that Noah film come out too? Wasn't uh, Noah was, kind of a, it was like 2012? That um, seemed like the last yeah, bastion of yeah, that yeah. thing. Well, yeah. that's a different genre. That's like apocalyptic yeah, movies that's that true. were like around 2012, like the movie 2012 where it talked about the end of the yes, world. Which that was a Roland Emmerich yeah, movie, I think. And like the one where The Rock is like in a helicopter. San Andreas. Yeah, he's in California and the earth is collapsing underneath him. I love those. I love it when a whole state's just going to break off and float away into the ocean. (laughs) What's the subtext there? What would happen if that place didn't exist anymore? (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? Well, I I think it's my, my having... Teenagers, my read is that uh, all the Marvel movies have taken over, and now everybody's sure. trying to get on that bandwagon, right? So um, yeah, it's kind of the age of the hero tale yeah. and the, more of the fantastical thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe those movies were more in vogue back mm. back a decade or ago. Which or brings us right to Leviticus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, so uh, tell us how you went about uh, forming the message a little bit for this week. For uh, why was this cho- you know, why did we why did we take a pit stop in Leviticus as we go down yeah. the journey of the whole Bible? What what kind of prompted us in, in stopping here this week? Well, you know, one of the, one of the fun things, and we've talked about this a couple times. One of the fun things was sitting with the, all the pastors from the Lake Forest Family of Churches and saying, all right, what are the most important passages we want to touch on this year? And um, you know, there's this whole book, Leviticus, and it's a very strange book. We'll yeah. probably talk about that day. Yeah. Very strange book. But, um, you know, there are a couple key parts of Leviticus that just sh- have so much presence in the New Testament. Mm. And uh, this passage was one of those, the, the Day of Atonement. And um, there's just so much imagery of the cross and Jesus and salvation and God's rescue plan all packed into this this chapter that we felt like we couldn't skip it. We just really, you know, it was important if you were going to understand the whole story. And uh, of course, every part of the Bible is important. We're not saying that, you know, but right, right. but some, you know, if, if for our first pass, we're just trying to get the big picture. This was an essential one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. You know, one of my favorite things about this whole process here in 2021, as we've done these series and done the series and these sermons is is just being reminded uh, of how much the Old Testament does call attention to the New Testament right mm-hmm. and I love that I love being reminded of that each each and every time that that happens it's mm-hmm. been really cool to see that stuff yeah. yeah yeah I've been learning a lot of 
new things. Yeah. Like every week it's like, oh, I didn't know that before, uh, reading, reading these particular passages, which, I mean, shouldn't be surprising. There's so much to learn. But like this, this week, the one that was like the, the almost like Bible trivia moment was the at one meant in Ooh, atonement yeah, that yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I didn't even, I didn't even know that. It makes yeah. a lot of sense as a compound word or something like that. So I, I like how I'm always walking away with something like that. Yeah. Can you unpack uh, that for us a little bit? Can you remind us of that? Uh, yeah, one yeah. Thing, well, that you, came from. Well, you know, again, yeah. That that was not mine. Obviously, I didn't. Uh, I I I think it might be Spurgeon who was the first to actually write uh-huh. about that in that powerful way to break that down into mm-hmm. its elements. But How long ago was Spurgeon? Who's, oh who's that? Oh my gosh. 1700s? Yeah. I'm not familiar with him. Yeah. So a hey, long time have, ago. We have oh, we have Google. We have Google. We have computers. Yeah, yeah. Siri, Don't Spurgeon. tell the listening audience our secrets right now. Yeah, but <laughs> right. we're, we're, we're making a podcast without computers. That's yeah. how, we're, <laughs> how awesome we are. Anyway, so a long time ago, someone broke that down. Well, so, so what's fun about atonement is it the concept uh, is almost universal and, and uh, around the world and throughout history. Every mm-hmm. culture recognizes that when something, when a wrong's been done, it needs to be made right. And, and um, you know, we uh, we have our own versions of this in our our well in the Old Testament. You see this, right? Like, hey, look, if your you know if your your ox goes and knocks down your neighbor's fence, right? There's he he needs to make that. Uh, so, well, you need to make that right. right. You, there's a, there's a kind of atoning for that mm-hmm. um, yeah and we we have the same kind of concept in our world I mean just think about your automobile right like when people get in fender bears I, it always strikes me here in North Carolina because this is not how it was when I grew up in Los Angeles in Los Angeles when you got into a fender bender you did not stay on the road it was it was dangerous to try and stay on the road everybody knew you're supposed to pull off the road and then call the police in north carolina you get in a fender bender everybody just stops right where they're at stay put. don't no mess worries. with the scene of the crime but you know we have this whole elaborate system of insurance and and legality around making sure that right. wrong gets righted right. and in a lot of ways that's what leviticus is and that's what atonement is so if I, you know, I use the example in the sermon, if, if I steal your car and take it for a joyride or whatever I said, you know, and mm-hmm. crash it, it's not okay for me to come to you and just say, you know, oops, sorry, right? Yeah. I need to fix, I need to atone for what I did wrong. Mm-hmm. And if I can't fix it, then is there some other equivalency that would make that right? You know, maybe I just pay you cash or whatever it is. Yeah, I either go and get your car fixed or I pay you for what it's going to cost you to fix it. Or if you can't fix it, I pay you for the value you lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of the that is imagery of atonement. Mm-hmm. And every culture has that. But what we all recognize is if I crash your car, man, our friendship's going to be on the rocks. We're not going to be at one anymore. We're going to be mm-hmm. at odds. Yeah. And so the at one meant the idea is, well, no, we can, we can be made right again in mm-hmm. our relationship. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, I mean, I've, I'm a super history nerd. Like, I, I like all things history. And I'm, I'm for some reason, love antiquity things. So, like, mm. Greek, Roman, mm-hmm. you know, kind of stuff. Maybe it's because my name is Caesar. And so oh, I, yeah. I like reading my name. I'm kidding. That's not why. That's not <laughs> why. I'm just a nerd. I'm just a nerd. He's just a narcissist. Um, but I, I Caesar a, Guerreritus. Yeah, Caesar Guerreritus. Well, yeah. Um, Trying to I, think how we would Romify that name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there's no, there's, I feel like there's not really a more Roman name than Caesar. But, yeah. Yeah. but anyway, so I remember taking a class. In uh, in college on Roman sacrifices, it was Roman rituals and sacrifices, yeah. and we did a mock 
kind of ritual where all of us got um, this book where it's basically a manual for how to do a Roman sa- uh, goat sacrifice. Ooh. And oh, we said, okay, at the take end notes, of, take yeah, notes. At the end of the year, or at the end of the semester, we were going to perform sacrifice it. A goat. So we had to learn our roles in the, in the, the sacrifice and then go act it out. Wow. So um, somebody was like the priest. Somebody was um, the person who does like the dancing and stuff like that. And uh, then we had a box, a shoe box, and uh, we had to cut it open with a knife like they would a goat and then pull out the things and say if they were good omens or bad omens. So it's like it was really interesting. What Here, was in the shoe box? It, it was, I think our professor surprised us with things. Um, and it was like, hey, what does this mean? You know, was, and so I don't remember class. what it was. But that's how they, that's how they did their sacrifices. Yeah. They would kill an animal and then basically like a fortune cookie say, yeah. let's pull out the thing in the middle and see what this means for my life. Yeah. Which is so different than what you described with the goat sacrifices yeah, being yeah. this like you, you you drew the parallel with like giving flowers you yeah, know yeah, it's like yeah. a, there's a relationship there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is so different than how other cultures did goat sacrifices and I just thought that was really interesting I was so struck by that season I honestly um, so I have a book that uh, is written by the professor my Old Testament professor from Fuller a guy named John Golden Gate. And I'm not necessarily commending the book, but it's super. It's super fun book. It's pretty dense, but the uh, the book title is "Life's Biggest Questions: Old Testament Answers." <laughs> and it's just and it and one of these questions that are, is around this kind of why sacrifice thing, and he's the one who was the first to point out to me I, that it's about relationship, mm-hmm. and that all of the sacrifices except the whole burnt offering was actually shared. When, and, and of course, this makes sense, right? If I'm going to take my goat and then I, I have him sacrificed, then then I, I'm, I'm going to cook some of the meat there. I might give some to the priests or whoever's doing that. And then I might have some myself. And then whatever's left over, I'm going to take to the butcher shop next door. <laughs> yeah. And I'm actually going to sell it, right? Yeah. And so there was this shared benefit, shared relationship mm-hmm. in that. And um, you know, because we don't have sacrifice like that in our culture... Mm-hmm. Um, we we lose sight of that, but that yeah. was an obvious thing to people. It was about relationship. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, I I want to call attention to. I think this is interesting as we think about uh, ancient times and and how dependent uh, people were on their flocks as mm-hmm. as, a, as a sense of livelihood. I mean, how difficult do you guys think it would be to actually give up one of those things? Like yeah. how if God says, "Hey, go and." and Kind of kill the fatted calf or kill, you know, yeah, take, yeah. sacrifice one of your goats. Is would there be yeah. a check in your mind? Put yourselves in the sandals, yeah, not the shoes. Ooh, of, uh, well of, played, of well shepherd. played, well played. I think it would. So I'm, I'm getting somewhere, right? So I'm, I'm thinking about kind of our modern kind of idea of tithing, right? How we, yeah. we have a hard time with this as a as a very success driven society. Like, would that have been a similar struggle to kind of give up a bit of your livelihood? To, to kind of sacrifice a, mm-hmm. a goat or an animal like that? Yeah, I mean, you bring up that idea, and, I, and I'm curious because you talked about relationship. And, and most, most people in that time were sacrificing because they assumed a relationship, a give and take kind of thing, right? Yeah. And yeah. so that makes me think of, you know, now, like, what, what are things that we give so that we can then take at mm-hmm. some point? Mm-hmm. And I think the parallels are very similar. Um, I think most people give to something that they expect 
is going to give them some kind of either yeah. intrinsic or monetary value. Yeah. Like if you're bought into like a particular college team, you know, and want to support mm -hmm. them, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I'll, I'll be a season ticket holder, you know, and I put all this money into it so I can, or I'm going to give a gift to help them build well, a yeah, new stadium you know, at my like, alma mater or exactly, something like that. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, and, and I think that's, I think it's super normal for that, which makes me wonder. It's like, well then, What's different about this this sacrifice? Like, are they still do they do the people in Israel still expect God to give them something, or is it you know you, you talked about love being like the primary emotion in this yeah. in this sacrifice, mm -hmm. which made me which just made me think like I know what, how we think of love and yeah. did did do people in Israel think of it as a loving thing to to give this to God or, or was was there more superstition there like I have yeah. to do this or else God will exactly. do this to interesting me. interesting right. you know it's so it I think that that's the greatest contrast in in the New Testament mm. excuse me in the Old Testament if, with the uh, practice of sacrifice is that um, it does not um, it does not endorse the tit for tat kind of relationship with it, yeah. which was common to the mm -hmm. Canaanites and and the other cultures in that region, right? Mm -hmm. the, that was the norm, yeah. and and God seems to eye for an eye, yeah, just that. defy yeah. it a little bit. It's he's saying it, yeah. he does he's not going to operate that. Right. The um, the closest we get to that is in Malachi when he says, "Bring in the bring in the whole tithe." Don't don't half it. Bring in the whole tithe and see if I don't open the floodgates, right? Yeah. But but it seems like the story of the of Yahweh, the God of Israel, that we see is that He is a God who first chooses to bless, mm -hmm. and then we give and sacrifice in response to that blessing. That makes sense. Not the other way around. Right. And he so so much so he says to Abraham, "I will bless you, mm -hmm. and you will then be a blessing to the right. nations." Yeah. Right. Uh, and that was so counter. I mean, this this is like this is unlike any other mm -hmm. god in the ancient Near East. Yeah, yeah. So then, with with love being the primary emotion that these people come to sacrifice with, it, what what well, I guess what differentiates differentiates that experience as being like a loving thing versus it being just like a ritual thing that they did every year. That's where the flowers come in. Okay. And this, let me give credit where credit is due. Again, this is John Golden Gay, and you can Google this. Uh, there's a there's a short article published on one of Fuller Seminary's pages. It's super fun. Uh, maybe we can find it and put the link in mm -hmm. somewhere um, if possible. We'll see. But he talks about flowers because if my heart if my motive for giving you flowers isn't right, giving you the flower, and you know it, mm -hmm. right, then my giving you flowers is only going to make things worse. Yeah. So it's not <laughs> the sacrifice itself, but the condition of the heart hmm. that determines the value of the sacrifice. Interesting. So another two examples of this in the New Testament. First of all is, uh, remember when uh, Joseph and Mary had baby Jesus, and they're poor, and so they they have to give the poor offering, which is two birds, right? Not a whole, and and that mm. that was an accommodation for people who maybe didn't have a whole animal they could give, mm -hmm. right? Well, that was still sacrificial for them. Two birds was huge for them, yeah, because it's not about the sacrifice itself; it's about the quality of the heart and the, and the relative. We talk about. 
um, equal sacrifice, not equal amounts, right? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that God wants us all to sacrifice a, po- a portion. That's why the tithe mm-hmm. is such a big deal. Okay, so that that's one thing. But the, the most obvious place that the love part shows up is when Paul is writing to the church. Oh, I hope this reference is right. I think it's the church in Corinth. And he says, look... Um, don't don't give out of compulsion or guilt or don't that's not the reason to give mm-hmm. he says remember the Lord loves a cheerful giver mm-hmm. right so that's where that love comes yeah. back in well you also see Jesus bring that up in the story of the widow's mind too mm-hmm. right like look yeah, at her and yeah. she says this is I think it's the disciples that kind of ridicule her a uh-huh, little bit uh-huh, it's like uh-huh. she doesn't, hasn't given that much and yet mm-hmm. Jesus says no she's given everything that's right because she's given all that she has mm-hmm. and that's you know so then I, I walked away I don't know you know again I, I, ha- I was the one prepping the sermon so you know I always say you got to preach the sermon to yourself before you preach it to others <laughs> yeah. I mean I, it really caused me to think about, which is why I wanted to talk about it. I mentioned that New Testament passage, the three kinds of sacrifices that that we make, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a sacrifice of praise, right? A sacrifice of serving, and a sacrifice of giving. And it, what was interesting to me is that it, I felt most convicted on the praise side of stuff. Mm-hmm. And Nathan, mm-hmm. we've been talking about maybe dedicating a whole Sunday morning to talk about worship, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I, you know, I my worship. If, if I'm not careful, my worship comes out of whatever my mood is mm-hmm. or what is it convenient? Do I feel like it? That kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. And it really convicted me to think about what what if I was to consciously think about what kind of sacrifice of worship I would give mm-hmm. out of love for God. Yeah. Not, oh, i got to go do it or he won't like yeah. me or it's my duty or something like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, see, as you were bringing up kind of modern examples of, of giving and sacrifice, you brought up the college mm-hmm. example, but my mind automatically went to a marriage, to how, how often mm-hmm. do we think about marriage today mm-hmm. and what we can get out of it. Yeah, and yeah, so I'm yeah. thinking about God's heart for his people and what I believe he would say would be his heart for a spouse, right? Yeah, how yeah. We enter into this covenant relationship to sacrifice ourselves for the good of the other person. The most important yes. part you hear it said the most important person in a marriage is the other person. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And so I think that's absolutely true yeah. if, if all these things that we're talking about are true. Nathan, right? that's so good. Which is, you know, sometimes we, we get hung up on this idea that God chose Israel and wait a second, why why didn't he choose someone else? That's not fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but it is that the the Bible uses that spousal imagery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he chose them so he could bless them. Yeah. Like he chose them so he would have a relationship yeah, right. where he could give. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's man. That marriage was whoop. Interesting. That, I hope, I hope my spouse isn't listening right yeah. now because yeah. I'm in trouble. Well, that, this that, one. that whole idea, that whole idea that choosing some someone to be the end of your blessing, like they're they're the destination for all of that. Yeah. Like if that's the kind of mindset we have about our relationships. Yeah. Like my friendships, all all my relationships look so different. <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> can you imagine so an different. episode of The Bachelor where he's do they still give the rose on the bachelor? I haven't yeah, seen that. Sure, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. What so <laughs> he's trying to decide and he's talking to the camera and he's deliberating about which of the three girls he's gonna give the rose to or whatever. Yeah. And can you imagine if his if his his inner dialogue was, which of these three women am I best going to be able to serve mm-hmm. and bless? Yeah. Like that would be so well, counter. Well it's so funny because yes. like how we would be way more selective, I think. <laughs> as a culture if we said oh man there's a responsibility i have or even more of a compulsion i have to like Mm -hmm. like i'm compelled to give to this person like if i think the reason why i mean being a millennial and you know i recently you know 
just left the whole like phase of dating and being around people who are single and trying to mingle and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like so much of it is a, is this the right person for me? Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. the, that's yeah. the question. It's never the, am I the right person for this person, oh, for this man. other person? Dude, that's so good. Um, and so I'm just like, oh my gosh, the fact that you just mentioned that whole, like God selected Israel to bless them is so counter to what the human heart is to be like, I want to select people who will benefit and bless me and would fit into my life. Yeah. It's just so weird. Well, and how hard is it too to put your your mind and your heart in that right place mm-hmm. in your human relationships, but also in your relationship with God? Because even if you have motivated yourself, okay, I need to be, uh, and I've noticed this in my own marriage. So I'm mm-hmm. one of my bad kind of habits of and where my mind goes. If, okay, I, I need to do this. I need to be a blessing. I need to be a good husband. Whatever it is, a good Christian. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I'm doing it is because it's the right thing to do. It's what God calls me to do. And how quickly does my mind turn to, well, I did all these things for you. <laughs> yeah. You kept account. I kept account. Yeah. A, yeah. Even yeah. though yeah. Corinthians says love yeah. doesn't keep account. Doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> and how hard is that? Yeah. How hard is that? Yeah. Oh, boy. I, this is fun. I didn't think we'd take this turn today. Yeah. This is... This is a really interesting application of that idea of sacrifice. You know, and it's funny, we talked about it Sunday, but the most famous verse in all of the Bible, which is about love, mm-hmm. for God so loved that he gave. gave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The most famous verse in the Bible connects love mm-hmm. to, to giving. Mm-hmm. In, and so I think there is, I think the love and sacrifice thing go together. Mm-hmm. That's uh, cool. In what ways could we talk about love? Is there a way... A, a way we could meaningfully talk about love without talking about sacrifice. And I, I don't think there is. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, deep thoughts on I tell us more. That, well, I, think we, I, I think we did it. That was a really, that was a great episode. Well, I did want to say before we wrap today, because yeah. it was kind of funny. I was getting, uh, I, I got breakfast today with some of the guys who are leading our Thursday morning um, study. It's a, it's a men's connection, which is a really cool thing. They're doing it via Zoom. And I was talking with them, and they they were really wrestling with, they've been doing the Bible reading, and they're really wrestling with this whole thing of, man, what do we do with all these strange laws, you know? Yeah, and um, yeah. we talked about that before the podcast today is, you know, I, I think that, that that can be a real challenge for the modern reader, knowing how to read this book. Uh, and yet, if we can if we can acknowledge that a lot of these have cultural context that maybe we don't fully understand, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. can you imagine uh, somebody from a culture where there are no automobiles trying to understand <laughs> what we were talking about earlier about fender benders? Like they just would not even have the foggiest yeah. clue, yeah. right? What? Car insurance? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And yet, most of the examples that we see in Leviticus are very practical, realistic issues in that historical context. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think that you know, for if if you're if you're listening right now and you've been hanging, uh, you know, str- struggling through those readings, hang in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when something seems strange, m- my default is there's probably a cultural thing going on here. I'm not fully appreciating, right? Yeah, yeah. Which to kind of revisit a little bit of the beginning uh, of the show, you know, just in the way that the uh, New Testament is enlivened by the Old Testament, so then the whole story or our life can be enlivened by the whole story, right? Mm-hmm. There's a timelessness that you really discover in study and in seeing this to where we, I mean, we've stuck with it. The three of us have. We've kind of, uh, kind of looked elsewhere. We've kind of dedicated our lives to doing this. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, somewhat humbly, we'll say to you, you know, as Aaron said, stick with it because we've seen that mm-hmm. evidence in our, yeah. in our own life. Yeah. 
Yeah. And thank you, Jesus, for declaring all foods clean. Hmm? Yes. <laughs> I love that in Mark's gospel, it just says it. And thus he declared all foods clean. Okay, yeah. good. Bacon. Okay. <laughs> On the menu. Breakfast is served. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I will close uh, with a little bit of fact checking. Uh, Charles Spurgeon died in eighteen uh, in the eighteen nineties, so he was in eighteen hundreds. Eighteen hundreds. There we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Thank you for check, fact checking. You're welcome. This podcast has been fact checked by the yes. Story Fact Checking Coalition. And don't we, fact check that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, friends, that's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening. I want to thank Aaron and Caesar for being part of the conversation. As always, thank you guys. Friends, we'll see you next time. We ask those speakers to tell us more. Goodbye.